Welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, thank you for our lives, our faith. I thank you, Lord, for our family. And in this Advent season, Jesus, please come. Come close to us. Help us to um, just draw near to you. Help us to uh, welcome you in a way that will experience you as the living God in a new way. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Bless this program, anoint Carrie and me. Bless the conversation. And may we grow, grow closer to your sacred heart. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. With the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so Carrie, I got to paint the picture. Earlier tonight, you weren't home. You were waiting for uh, Annalise to be done with her practice. And um, we have a, a very, uh, we have one kid, see if you can name who I'm thinking of. One kid who, among all our kids, really, really, really gets into this season, especially when it comes to like the trappings. Like decorations and you call them trappings. The, the trappings. Is it literally trappings. You're trapped in the no. The Christmas I, I think vibe. It, I, I don't think that had a negative connotation to it. You never heard of like the trappings or like the the external manifestations of things like the special doodads and. That's not something I typically hear. No. Huh. Okay. I well, do believe you. I know you're well read. I just, or I just make up words and, you, and just confuse you. I would and never you know. Just submit and you're just like, oh, my honey is so smart. Um, so <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> do you say that the trappings? No. Well, I was laughing because there was a family I was talking with the other day at a basketball game, and they literally celebrate no Christmas. They're Christian, but they feel like it's a big distraction. The materialism, the fanfare, the all the rituals, it takes away from Christ. And this is another family, in addition to another family that I'm, we've met who have this way of looking at Christmas. And I thought, wow, I would never, uh, I've never heard of that before. And I think we'd mentioned this last year. It was just very odd. And so I was asking her, oh, what are your family traditions? What do you guys like to do? do you, we don't do anything. Do you like have a treat? Nope. Do you like to add? Nope. Do you... Do gifts? Not really. It's a great Christian family. I'm like, do you have any family or rituals or traditions you do at all throughout any part of the year? Or is it just you try to avoid it all at Christmas? I, I just found it very stunning. Just be very grateful you're Catholic. I mean, as Catholics, we love this stuff, right? We love the idea of trappings. There we go again. Brought it in. Okay, so let me come back around to, um, well, actually... No, you know what it is? It's um, it's that idea of the sacraments, right? Sacramentals, incarnation, right? It's all of that. That um, to de- to decorate a house means that there are ways in which the things that God has created are ways that we ex- uh, connect with Him, the way that we express our joy and our relationship with Him, like sac- sacred liturgy and rituals, and it's also the way that the Lord reaches out to us and manifests who He is, and even communicates His grace to us. So we see something of God's beauty in what He's created. We experience some of God's goodness in the in the events and happenings of this world, right? So all of that, um, all of that gets down to wreaths and holidays and festivities. Um, at the same time, I think of C.S. Lewis. I know you thought of this. The essay that he wrote on Xmas versus Christmas, and it was, um, I think it was done from the point of like an alien that came to modern day England in 1950, um, or whenever he was writing the essay, to say, here I am in early December, and I see um, two sets of folks. One of them is celebrating um, Xmas, and Xmas is the secular version of running around and buying gifts and going crazy with busy activities. And then the other ones celebrate Christmas. And Christmas is those that are like prayerfully waiting for the coming of Jesus. And it's very somber and it's very reserved and it's very focused on um, welcoming a baby in a manger as the savior of the world. And the, um, the, the contrast between the two is so great that the way the essay ends is basically saying, and there are some who propose the theory that these two are actually the same event, Xmas and Christmas, but that can't possibly be the case because of the difference between those who give themselves over to Xmas versus those who give themselves over to Christmas. 
Like all those advent calendars, which I don't even think you can call them advent calendars, where they count down with snowman and Santa or a Christmas village scene, or it could be Legos or bottles of wine. Oh, or for our kids, it was just chocolate, or- right? We <laughs> got an advent calendar filled of Lindor chocolates. I mean, who got that? Uh, I don't know. You don't know, but uh, it's my kids certainly enjoy it. Like they're kind of like mapping out the days and what Lindor chocolate they're going to get. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So you can see how one can rob the other, right? So that's actually a good way of saying it. One robs the other. So I think these families are like, let's just not do anything. Yeah. Right. So that's the that's the spirit of Protestantism. The spirit of Protestantism is that um, it's not that um, God created the world good and it fell, but it's under it's it's in the path of redemption. It can be sanctified, and so therefore we can take elements that are under the dominion of Satan and we can purify them, we can recover them, and we can use them for God's grace. But rather, no. It's the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the world. And the kingdom of the world is in the dominion of Satan. So you come out from the world to come under the kingdom of God. And that means you have to leave behind the things of the world. So when you go into those types of um, churches, you find that there are no statues, no art, artistry, no sculpture, no architecture. It's everything's plain and simple and everything's focused on what? The pulpit. What happens on the pulpit? The word. The word is spiritual. It's audible. It's invisible. It's not physical. So you don't want the physical because the physical is associated with the reign of Satan. So if you take that spirituality, that vision of the world, that the creation is corrupt, then you want to es- you want to escape from it and enter a spiritual world that goes from God's spirit to your heart. So you can see how that would get, when that gets maximalized, then all of a sudden the idea of holy days is like a betrayal, is not faithful to the gospel because now you're, you're, the weeds are with the wheat. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, um, I think that that's um, kind of underlies some of it. And I, I don't know, who knows? Maybe some of it is they also, there's also wounds from people's own past regarding... I had a bad experience growing up, or I, I grew up in an, uh, a home without any faith. So This particular mom was from a, another country, and when she came here as a young child, she said it was so overwhelming, the amount of stuff that was brought into the culture through the Christmas season. And I think that gave her such a bad experience of the materialistic way in which we live here that she really felt like, okay, this is actually a better way to celebrate Christ is to just leave all that behind. I right. guess you could, if you had to err on one side or the other. Yeah, I, I call that pendulum thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Yeah, so, this, we like to do it in moderation. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard yeah. because you're trying to swing away from what happened the way that you were brought up, and then you swing right past moderation, right off of, to the other side, and then it swings back in the next generation. It swings back, or it's how we raised one kid. It swings to the other side with the other kid, and then it swings back to the other side. And it's like, you know, that's life in time, right? That's life in time where no matter how hard we try, we're not going to get it right because we do so in the light of how we were brought up, us individually, and now yes. we together try to navigate that. And we end up like, oh, man, it's like the bad, you know, it's like the pancakes, right? The first couple you kind of, <laughs> you know, you throw away, and then you hopefully figure it out as you go along. And so I think we're still navigating that, right? Because you, you, you sound like my mother this year. You know, you sounded like my mother. I can't believe I did it again. I said I wasn't going to do this anymore. Is that what your mother sounded like? She would, every year she would say, say the, the same, same thing. thing. Oh, my goodness. You know, and we would laugh at her. You know, we would laugh at her because she said this on until the end of her life. Um, she would say that every year. I, oh, I can't believe I did it again. I did it again and overdid it. Overdid it. I always overdid it. And, and why? Mm-hmm. They, she grew up with nothing. My dad grew up with nothing. And so that was the pendulum. They grew up in the Depression. They grew up World War II. They grew up with in real serious poverty, both of them. So pendulum swing, we grew up with piles of toys at Christmas and lots of, you want that, son? Of course you can have that. 
because we didn't have that. And we're going to give that to you. When education was a huge one. We're going to make sure you get to college and opportunities to play on teams and opportunities to, to be in a house and to have stuff. And so pendulum swing back, right? So now we're trying to figure out how do we navigate that. And, and how many times do you and I uh, do our disagreements get traced back to well, the way I was brought up was, or you only think of that because that was the way you were brought up. That happens quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think our parents are similar in the same generation. However, I think because of our personality types, that's how we differ in when we look at an issue or a, like an occasion. I, like an example, our daughter needed new basketball shoes. And there are no basketball shoes to be had anywhere. I mean, talk about shortages. There are shortages of everything. Like we're trying to find light bulbs for the Christmas lights. Can't find them anywhere to replace the ones we broke. So we had to buy her shoes. I went to three stores and I was not going to go to Dick's Sporting's Good and spend over $120 or $100 on shoes. They had no old shoes. All their shoes were brand new, brand new, brand new. Like the latest and that's all they had. There was no extra stock of anything. So I'm like, well, just wear your volleyball shoes. Like, can't you just wear the volleyball shoes? They're fine. Like similar jumping. <laughs> and you were like, um, oh no, we I'm need like, to get her bite shoes. Bite the bullet, get her shoes. Get her actually I get said, her why? basketball shoes. We, we didn't need shoes 20, 30 years ago like this. They're so advanced. They're yeah. so much okay, more so, complicated. Okay. Here, this can't is, you just uh, play in like the shoes you have from last year, even though they're a little slidey, but throw some tape on them. You'll be fine. <laughs> and so I, of course, I wanted to have great shoes, but it was the sense and they were the of, wrong color and they were sliding. No, she was sliding all over the place. It wasn't just shoes. It's like all the ski gear. It's all the coats. It's, it's just the gear in general has to be the best, the latest, no, not necessarily the most expensive, but well, what I, we had 20 years ago is 10 times better. So than what we have now, anyhow. So my strategy, like I when I go to one of those sporting goods stores, is I go online and I get a coupon. <laughs> no, I do. I get a coupon. The quality triangle. The quality triangle. <laughs> Let's go. I, I get a coupon and it's I'll, coupon. Coupon. You say coupon. Oh no, I think it's a Boston thing. It must be a Boston. We all thing. tease you about it. Coupon. Though. I, so I don't even know which one's the right one. That's how I, bad it is. I, hey, for me to tell you how to say something is probably not the right way to Honey, say it. Honey, that's so awesome. Okay, so <laughs> I what I, and then what I do is I know that they have underneath their register they've got a list of coupon codes that they can just click, and um, and so when I go in there, I, I I do my search on my phone and I take a, a screenshot of the coupon. And then I'll go up and I'll say, what coupon do you have? And then I'll get whatever the best deal is. And then when I go to the back, I look for the shoes that are either on clearance or on sale. And so typically I'm spending not, you know, not a lot of money. I mean, it's 30 or $40, at most 50 bucks for a pair of shoes, right? Maybe there's an extraordinary situation where we went above that, but like not I, lately they're all like okay they're all so 100 120 we bucks we didn't shop. so this was the crazy Goodness. thing right so i was looking for um black friday deal and so i said oh go here here are some shoes black friday deals well you went to the stores they were all sold out well we i don't even the think they got them in yeah i don't know I, i'm serious and then yeah so i went out there on sunday night she needed them by monday and i went in the store went to the back and the guy said, okay, hey, how can I help you? I said, where are your cheapest shoes? <laughs> that was my question. I said, where are your shoes that are on sale? I said, look, just take me to the on-sale shoes. He says, we don't have any. And I'm like, what? We don't have any shoes on sale. And I'm like, you're kidding. And then I went up and I started looking at the prices of the shoes. $109, $109, $109. And I'm like, all the shoes were the same price. They're and super I cute too. <laughs> they're the latest brands the latest colors like, the latest styles they were really cute shoes but i was 120 bucks ah! I, I was shocked i was shocked that i i'm like you have got to be i said can we go to the little kids shoes can we go to the guy's shoes can we go to the boy's shoes can we find any shoes well and that was and because was, we couldn't find any shoes at colds or big five so we ended up at dicks yeah it's not so, like it, you didn't have a lot of options i guess you could order them online Maybe. I was, but no, but getting them online, it was like a two to three week delivery. 
So it was like, they, they man, I'm like, wow. Are we talking about shortages here? What are yeah. we talking about? Where, where are we going with this show? Uh, well, I hope you got your Christmas shopping done. That's what we want to say. I'm like, wow, inflation is a thing. Shortages are a thing. Prices just get blown up. Uh, I'm like, wow, this is, it, it's, you know, we, I think, economize, but like there's a whole new degree of economization that I think is going to hit this world. All right, well, uh, when we come back in a minute, um, I, I want to get back to my first story, which was about trappings and, and a particular daughter. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Like, don't, don't, don't. Just keep going. Just keep going. Stop. Carrie said. <laughs> don't, don't. Why do, you, why do you know? There's no need to confess anything. Just keep going. All right. I, you cannot, this is how the kids found out we were moving, because you could not... I not tell them. In. Yes. Like if we, like the fact that the three girls surprised me yeah. was a little Christmas was that miracle. Yes. That, and they were like, nice. oh, dad's going to blow it. He's going to, he's going to call. Me. Then you call Mary Grace as she's getting ready to surprise us to check on her to see where she is. Yeah. And she was like, why are you on the phone? I'm coming in the building. You are right going to run. next to you too. And you can't. I had the phone. And I'm looking have at it. To, like, you didn't notice that uh, I was looking at the phone, though. Which well, was funny. no, I was. Ta- I think I was videotaping the game or something. All right. So, which of our girls? Which of our kids? Darn it! Okay, now I now <laughs> Well, I know John, Mark, and John Luke. Yeah, the trappings part of it. Who really, really, really enjoys getting the house looking just so? And I would say Luciana. Luciana. So you. She right. likes to keep it just. She so. She likes to keep it just so, but she's done such a good job of, like putting the what's it called the uh the trappings out the pillows and the uh, ornaments and books and other things so beautiful stuff anyways she last night or earlier tonight um recording this on thursday night <laughs> i always have to say that right i just want folks to know like when i'm saying tonight they're like it's eight in the morning um no wait when you start she went to go get the mail and for some reason it was so dark out. She wanted to get the mail with a candle. So she lit a candle and she's walking out. I'm she like, She was playing Little House on the Prairie. This is it. It was darling. She, she was out there into in all the trappings. Cute little so outfit. She was dressed in a little outfit. A lantern. Like a lantern. Sort. So she goes out the front door with a candle and she goes walking. She has to walk up our end of our, called up to our street, you know, maybe 100 yards to the mailbox. And a minute later, she comes running back in, and she's like, "Dad, it's dark out. It's really dark. There's a moose out there." And I'm, I'm no way. That's just not true. And she's there's a moose out there. So we go out and look, and she points, and I can't see it. She yells. The other kids come over and like, "Oh my goodness, there's a moose!" And there was a huge moose. I couldn't believe that it was a moose. I couldn't see it because it was so big. <laughs> it's like God in your story yesterday. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it was just so overwhelmed big. you. It was how is this moose covering that much of the car? It was obscuring the whole front of the car. It was in so front it was of a the car. Black hole, so to speak. It was just a, a black big hole. Black hole. It was this black spot on the road, and I didn't see it. And then I'm like, wow, that Freaky. is. That's a huge moose. And sure enough, the moose started making its way down the street, across the street from us in the yard and, and on down. And then a second one, they said, check the backyard. And sure enough, there was a second one in our neighbor's backyard who came out and followed the trail of the first one. So the kids were all saying, text mom, because you're going to be coming home. I know. And then I ran up to the top of the hill to find it, to look for it. And I sure enough ran into them. They're up in someone's lawn, just checking things out. I think it was in our our street because our neighbors have a cherry tree. Could this be it? And they were finding. Could there be possible cherry flavorings? Oh, I don't or, know. Uh, I don't yeah. know what they eat. I don't, I don't think that really like yeah. cherries that fall or apples or <laughs> they're not human. But I don't know. I don't even know what they eat. But she said they were under the cherry tree. So yeah. that's why I thought that. So. This then ties back to where we come back into the home and I'm being more intentional now about being a father, right? I'm reading this book, this, The Intentional Father by John Tyson, and it's getting me thinking now. So that's a benefit. 
to fill your mind with new content, fill your mind with content around things that are important to you, it can give you new ideas. I know you listen a lot to podcasts. I tend to be more of a reader. I've been listening to more podcasts recently, I think because of you. Um, But this book has got me thinking about being more intentional as a father. And why are you looking at me like that? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, I, I... I'm thinking some of the podcasts I listen to aren't the best influences. And it's not that I'm listening to crime or anything like that, but there's only so many finance podcasts or organizing or faith podcasts. What else do I listen to? Um, Economy, budgeting, great, live your great life, exercise. I don't know. I just, I'm amazed at how influenced I am by what I put into my mind and what I listen to. And I don't think I realize just how influenced we are by other people that could really can have an impact on people and people can impact us. Where did I hear this today? Someone said that <laughs> you're influenced, you, you imitate a blend of the five people that you hang around with the most. Did you say that so to me? So I imitate Liliana, Luciana, <laughs> Annalise. No, let me say it, let me say it differently. <laughs> like I, your I five friends, saying. the yes. five people you admire, those are the ones that influence and shape how you see the world, your attitudes, your way of living. I don't really know. I don't know if that's I've more of like a that. work setting thing or if it's about life. Yeah, and they want you to like, you live with or choose friends that are excelling or exceeding because then you're going to be pulled up. You're mm-hmm. not going to be pulled down. I don't think that's quite a thing. Well, the point is that... <laughs> I mean, it could be wrong, but... Yeah. So I've been more focused on how am I spending time with my kids. So one way that I'm doing it recently is through these novenas. And so we just finished our first novena. We're on our second novena. It started Thursday. The The first novena was to the Immaculate Conception. So it ended on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I'm doing it with Mary Grace and John Mark. And so each day we're praying the same prayer. And there were intentions that we were praying that they said, oh, let's let's pray for each other's intentions. I put one intention out there. And John Mark put two, and Mary Grace put seven. And so every day we were praying these intentions out loud. And it was really neat because one of Mary Grace's intentions was looking for a new place to live. And finding a rental home is very difficult. And she's down in Oregon, northern Oregon, and looking for a rental home is it's a real like crapshoot especially this time of year this time of year and just the small number of homes and then the number of folks looking for homes so this home came up for rent she and her uh roommate her hope to be roommate and i think there are two of them but only one was around right now uh, they immediately went out to see if they could um put in an application and they got there and the owner of the uh home was there to show the home. And he said, I have probably like 28 applications that are coming in. And this is a matter of within a few hours. I did not know all these details. Yeah. So they took the tour of the home with him. And he just was inquiring about why are you here? Why are you interested in this home? What's your vision for being in the home? And they started sharing their faith. They put it right out there. Well, we did this mission work. We're here in town. We're connected to this church. We do this mission to this uh, skateboard park, to these youth. And we are going to be students at George Fox or online. And we are living out this mission life. And he's like, here's the application. I encourage you to fill it out right now if you want this house. And uh, they got the house. I did not know that. Yeah. And I remember seeing, we got the house, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. But it was a God thing. Think, yeah, that's so cool. I just love that, that God is faithful. And it was, for me, beautiful because it showed to John Mark and Mary Grace, the Lord answers prayers that the Lord is active in that work, answering your prayers, number one. 
And number two, that if you're witnessing to him, if you're not afraid of him, if you're not ashamed of him, watch what he will do. Watch what he will do. And just how beautiful that is. So cool, Tom. Yeah. I... I've found that to be a blessing as I've started to walk with people more in in helping them buy homes and now also sell homes. It's been a really interesting thing because for me that that element of the relationship is it's just such a it's just such a piece. It's a piece, it's an important piece to do it right, but it gives me an opportunity to walk with families, to pray with them, to listen to their story and then to discern with them what the right fit would be in terms of where they're living, school, parish, friends, people to connect with, what neighborhoods are the, are the best fit for them. And it is such a huge blessing to be able to serve these families. And I don't know, God is like turning this into more and more of a full-time job. It is absorbing more and more of my time. But I love it. I love it because it is so... Um, so much a beautiful blend of all of the professional expertises I have in helping to negotiate, get clarity, like just helping couples get clarity around buying a house or selling a house and, and just finding the inner clarity and confidence and peace to be able to make the decision to move. I love accompanying a couple in doing that. It's like all this ministry work I've done, plus all of this coaching work I've done just has been such a huge blessing to them to these families that uh, I love it. So uh, I uh, I just put it out there that if folks, if you're on the West side and you're looking to move East, love to be of service to you. And you can just go to mycatholicfaith.org. Just reach out to me in the contact box. You know, I think it's so neat is when we moved here, it was really um, a huge leap of faith, slightly scary, unknown, and that we were able to walk that and live that and experience that. And now you're able to take some of that experience and foil it against their own experience. And ours is, was very different. Um, our reasons for coming here were different. But just to see how this is a very unique, very unique time in history of a lot of people vacating, would it be blue states to go to red states? Yeah. And there's a huge migration of families. I mean, enormous, probably never before this many, these, this amount of people moving not for work, but for faith reasons. Yeah. And it is such a, story that God is writing is such a Christ-centered or Christ-driven story. And I don't feel like Christ isn't in the move when you're moving because of your job or your family or you're moving closer to grandparents or whatnot. But right now, there's so much faith, so much trust, so much surrender, so much um, surrendering control and saying, Lord, help me see the next, you know, the next bend around the corner. And I think that's a perfect fit for you, Tom, because you really are, you bring faith to those families. And not not that you're trying to convince them they should come. You really are. God has you. He has timing. He, he sees your predicament that you're in, and there's no need to force it. But at the same time, if you can bring clarity like, what is this all about? Then you do that. Yeah, it was funny today. It was, I don't know, about one o'clock-ish. And I'm on the phone talking with a guy whose house I'm helping him like get through the inspection period and, and move towards closing on a house that he is buying in Post Falls, driving to look at a home on behalf of a family in Redmond attempting to move out here. And I'm previewing it by getting an interior designer with specialized expertise to be able to evaluate the home for them on their behalf because I was meeting them on Zoom that night to give them a report. And then I get a call from someone on the West Side saying, hey, I heard you met with this other family over Zoom and you helped them get clear about discernment and about making a transition this way. Would you do the same thing for us? 
So I had to put one guy on hold to jump to the other call, driving to the third one, all at the same minute. I was just like, God, what are you doing? This is really like, wow, this is this is a lot. This is a lot of folks who are looking for that sense of clarity. And that's in this time of the year when not a lot of people are moving. But I think I'm helping about right now 10 or 15 families on my list in, in some part of the process oh of discerning a move. How do I not know that? <laughs> I'm your wife. I guess I'm not your assistant. <laughs> now you know why I need an assistant, right? <laughs> now you know why. Assistant for but sure. even more exciting than that is what we're doing tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we are getting together with a couple of families who are saying, why does God have us here? What's the Lord up to? The Lord didn't bring us here for no purpose. There's a reason, and we need to discern that, and we need to take action. And I love that. I am all about no half measures. And it's no half measures wherever you are, brothers and sisters. If you're hearing this in a place and you're saying, moving is not on our radar screen, moving physically, well, move spiritually. And that's a good way of saying Move spiritually. Yes. And if physically moving to find an Egypt that's a place of refuge for your family isn't a thing, Find the refuge in your local community of faith, in your local fellowship, in intentional relationships, and uh, in the parish with the spiritual fathers that are meant to be leading and providing and protecting you. Everyone needs that place of refuge when the world around us is crumbling as it concerns living a full, full, vibrant Catholic faith. That's what's real. And so we need to take that level of intentional, serious action. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, a few more stories on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie. If you're enjoying this program, please go and join, what, subscribe. That's the word. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave a five-star review. <laughs> well, five-star rating, and then leave us a great review. Just yeah, come on. Listen oh, listen to the show. Do that too. But we want other people to listen so that it'll hey, become popular. It's in the Lord's, the Lord's hands. It's in the Lord's hands. Let's He'll not worry about it. Do what he needs to do. Yeah. Actually, you remember Todd Herman? I told you what he did. No. And now maybe I don't get all the details right, but he was like, he was a, uh, like a, a, a he had a significant role on one of the big stations on uh, in the Seattle area. I don't remember if it was Cairo or Como. Or it would be called. It would be seven seventy or seven five ninety. No, seven ten, seven seven. Now I don't remember the stations over there. Is that Thank weird? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but he was on one of the big stations. Yes, and he had his own show, and then he joined up with I think a counterpart. Okay, and they had sort of the left position, right position, and they would. Uh, it was a really, I guess, a really popular show. And I read recently that he made a decision to step away from public radio to do a private podcast. And the reason was, this is my way of saying it, that he felt that he couldn't bring his full voice out in the things that were most important to him to say right now if he was constrained by the management who had to keep an eye on the bottom line and therefore had to rein him in from speaking the full message. And I get that. Do you feel like the tide is turning? I'm getting this sense from some people I've been listening to that just the craziness of beliefs regarding transgender, regarding um, just that whole issue and the whole COVID issues and the critical race theory, these sorts of things. And just exposing a lot of the money behind pharmaceuticals. I don't know. It just feels like there's more and more exposure happening. And I, I don't know spiritually how the enemy or how God. I would let me draw attention to other things. I would say that more and more there is frustration with social media platforms and mainstream media spinning what you hear and how you hear it. You remember I pointed out to you a couple of times when I was doing Google searches for things? Yes. Where I was, for instance, looking up Bishop Athanasius Snyder's exemption letter. And I Googled it. And in Googling it, the first link was why Bishop Athanasius Schneider is wrong in his putting forward of this letter. And the second one was, oh no, that was the second link. The first link was uh, 
COVID vaccines were CDAC approved uh, and a CDC, CDC. It was very approved. controlled. It's very it was like, one-sided. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it, I, had to go, I had to scroll way down to like the ninth or 10th link before I got to the actual letter, which was the direct request I was making in the search. And then I went to DuckDuckGo and I put it in because that's what I, my default. And I put it in. It was the first link. The first link was to the PDF version of the letter. And the second one was the website that the letter was found on. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And there's so much blackout. And there's just so many topics that are so critical and important right now. They're just not being covered by mainstream. And they're still talking about the dumbest of the dumbest of the dumbest. Same old, same old, same old. And at some point, does the middle of the country, just the average Joe Schmo that's not on Twitter, wake up and say, hey. That's what I'm saying is that podcasts have been a disruptor and alternative social media platforms continue to gain momentum so that if the prominence and dominance of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, if those recede and others are able to come forward, and and, and sadly, they'll come forward for pretty much only those who feel left out of those mainstream platforms and mainstream media sources, that it, it ends up just creating more of a divide. And I don't know, I don't have a solution for that. That's really, that for me is part of the sadness, but that, that leads us back to intentional living. And it actually leads me to what I wanted to lead with about being an intentional father. My daughter, Ariana, is a senior at the Oaks, and their classical formation, their classical method, leads to a time where they synthesize all of their learning in grammar, logic, and rhetoric into a senior thesis. And simply put, a senior thesis is an attempt to synthesize all of how they've learned and apply it to a particular topic area and say, here's my thesis. And then you are to marshal the evidence and you are to present it in a form that's both logical and persuasive. And you apply all of your rhetorical tools to present in a form that's memorized and powerful. And it gets judged. And I had the opportunity to judge a couple last year. It was really neat. So Ariana's asking me, what should my topic be? And the topic we ended up on was why it's important for young people today to be exposed to and engaged in mission work when they're young. That's a great topic. Isn't that a great topic? I think that because she was talking about doing something around abortion. And I was like, ah, oh, that just, that topic's kind of been beaten to death. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think she knew a lot of the arguments. It's so broad. It's so huge. And it's not that it's not important, but I just wanted something that's a little bit more engaging for her. That yeah, wasn't just exactly. Gonna, yeah. So that's actually a beautiful way for and her she to. She brought it up. I didn't bring it up. It was like, I want to talk about mission work. I want to talk about the importance of doing missionary work. And and so we started to circle around the track a few times. And it was, why is it important for young people, like high school students, people her age, to be engaged in mission work and in missionary work? Now, isn't the intentional father a whole chapter on that or a whole area on that? Yeah. I, I alluded to it yesterday that... In one of the chapters of this book, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but just to say, I want you to answer the question. Let's not listen to this guy first. Oh, let's listen to me. Let's listen. <laughs> I, well, I came up with like five reasons off the cuff upstairs when I was talking with her in a minute. Okay. It's not that complicated. I know, but you live this, so. Well, why? You, you, can you think of a reason why it would be important to have young people do missionary work today? I think to get outside yourself as a very self-centered narcissistic society of everything revolves narcissistic. around me. Narcissistic society. Mm-hmm. Everything revolves around me. So this would be a great way for one to realize that it doesn't. I think that there's an end. That's ahead. a good one. So that's that one. one. I didn't even say that one. Okay. But isn't that one of the biggest fruits that Mary Grace got from it? Is that it shattered that world of it's all about me and this is important. No, I'm I didn't, important. I didn't think that that's how she lived her life. I think um, 
I think that's why kids are depressed and, and, and anxious is everything is about them. And there's an, there's, you're made for my soul is restless until it rests in the father or in, in the creator. And I think that's why people are so restless and anxiety driven. They have not realized that life is actually about God, the father. And so there's so much depression and sadness because one will ultimately feel like there's no hope, there's no purpose, there's no outside yourself. It, it is a dead end. So I think that in family life, um, you're able to give your kids a great sense of purpose and mission when you as a family have some kind of mission. Um, you know, sometimes I think kids might put it in sports or in academics or in um, a hobby or maybe an instrument. I'm not sure. I don't, I mean, I'm really not an expert in this at all. But I just, just from what I've seen with my own reflection of my own life and then just watching our kids grow up and nieces and nephews. This is so interesting because I didn't get either of those two. Huh. Yeah, that you were saying that. Oh, are my answers better than yours? These are great. <laughs> Absolutely, dear. So much better. More insightful. But no, a beautiful. Can I think I, that's beautiful. And then his book, I mean, just saying, he makes a fascinating uh recovery of a psychologist who studied social media and said that these kids that are on social media are basically having an affair with their phone and they block out the parents, they block out their siblings, they go in their room, you can't take it away. And they said it's like a psychological or emotional affair happening right in their own home because they cannot leave that phone, they cannot leave those relationships, they cannot function and it it's so it's so deadening it's so heartbreaking to to hear and to see and to know and that doesn't include all the influences that the phone brings it's just that they no longer are a family union the family unit is breaking apart when the phone is in everyone's hands i i, I think i remember the part in the book where he references that but the way you just said it was much more powerful then I remember reading it in the book. Oh, and they well, they went through like all the psychological things that happen to a kid when they okay. try to take the phone away, and it yeah, was related I, I don't to think I've studied that. an affair of you know the heart with somebody or a person. That's and, so powerful and a betrayal. I haven't heard it said like that before. It was that really was good. Really the powerful. guy that he said it, I didn't say it. Yeah, so you're talking about in chapter 14, he mentions the gap year, and, and he begins each chapter with a principle, and the principle here states it well. And we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll continue this this exploration because I want to share some of the reasons that I found the answer to that question also very interesting and powerful. So back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran and we're talking about my daughter's senior thesis and it's, it's I, I, the way I'm characterizing it, I don't have it in front of me, was why is it important for teenagers, young people, young adults to do missionary work today? And some of the answers that we had come up with, that I had come up with, and, and we were talking about it, was that in a, in, a, uh, in a situation where if you grow up culturally Christian or culturally Catholic, missionary work makes your faith more intentional. Because now you're asked to stand visibly forward, forward and to present your faith. You don't just take for granted that you're living in the midst of people who are already Christian and know Jesus Christ. So it raises the level of urgency to the proclamation of the gospel, that this is important. This changes everything. And there's a way in which young people that grow up in Catholic or Christian homes don't realize that. They just take for granted the supernatural as if it's natural. Yeah, and it almost becomes normalized and loses its power because there's nothing at stake. Yeah, we take for granted peace. When you have a relationship with the Lord, when you're living a life of faith, you have peace in your heart, but you don't necessarily know what it's like to live outside of an environment where faith provides the atmosphere, where faith is informing and filling the atmosphere. But if you come from, if you're being sent to situations that are so utterly broken and the darkness that grips people's minds, hearts, and lives, that ruins people's relationships 
all of a sudden it becomes so apparent. These people need Jesus. Jesus is desperately longing to get into their hearts, their minds, their homes, their relationships, every dimension of their lives. And I'm the vessel the Lord will use to introduce Christ into this situation. And we are so quick to hold back. We're so quick to crowd out even the idea that we would talk about our faith. And that's a travesty and a tragedy. So that's where I went with it. And then I also brought up the the reality that, oh yeah, that Christian context we're talking about, that's dissolving right from under your feet. And so if we don't make missionaries out of our kids, they're going to lose their faith. It's not just a matter of pulling them back from the receding, crumbling around them. No, you've got to give them angels' wings so they can fly over the (laughs) devastation. Hey, I like that. I'm just making this stuff up. It sounds like It's so good. (laughs) Angels' wings. But you, you are saying, no, the world is crumbling. I stand on the rock of Christ, and I'm going to preach Christ into the crumbling world. And that's what I want. That's what a missionary will do. That's what Mary Grace did with her friend when they went into the apartment. They were not afraid to lead with, we are here to live a life for Christ. And you know what? You can make your decision. You can decide whatever you want. And it's just like, wow. So it's amazing how Christ um, is going to ask for, where do you stand? Whose are you? What is your life about? Well, I- some of these things might be a little like up in the air. Like how do you, like philosophical maybe is the word I'm looking for. However, in watching Mary Grace's life, I know she was discipled in these areas through scripture, through prayer, through um, acts of spiritual. Through doing the missionary work yeah, while and, on mission. So it, yeah. it's not like the kid just, the, the teenager comes to this awareness on and their is own. sent out fully formed and ready. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole process where they, they'll take them where they're at. And it's just really cool to see where God brings them and how far he takes them. And Oh, this is interesting. Pope Francis talks about missionary disciples. And I think that the reality is they're discipling missionaries. Yes, I like that. Did you like that? Yes, Tom. Hey, I, I've got a couple of these today. <laughs> this is good. This is two-in-one program. <laughs> this is so good. Just one and a half? Is that one and a half? But I think that things are flipped upside down in today's yeah. culture because there's so much security, like materially and, and in a typical home. But, I, you know, I think we live in a bubble. I think we live around a lot of great families, good intact homes, uh, kids more or less have all their needs met. So we're not in the inner city or we're not in this very tumultuous type environment. So there is a lot of security just you find within your family. And when you have to launch outside that that bubble or outside that culture that you're tied to, it's it's kind of shattering. It's It's very tricky to navigate. It's like when you send your kid off to college and all of a sudden the family's not there to you know, constantly interrupt or be there to just soften the edges when things get hard. You're on a missionary trip in a third world country with a bunch of teenagers trying to figure it out What you know, you have discipleship um, leadership that's overseeing and helping and doing all that. But it's a little bit exciting and it's also a little bit nerve wracking, but it's very powerful how God can move in those, those spaces of being alone. Yeah. Well, and we sent... Mary Catherine and Ariana off to Belize to do, what was it, a week? Yeah, like a 10 week, days. About, yeah, something like that 10 days. Um, of mission. And, and they lived in impoverished circumstances and did some challenging work uh, in the hot, humid weather. Um, and so I know that that also had an element of faith for them. And so that was, in a certain sense, awakening. So I saw the, the power of it. And maybe I was pleasantly surprised. I had hopes, but it was beautiful to see that happen. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. I told Ariana I'd be excited to help her put together and talk through different, you know, the way that this unfolds, this senior thesis. But I thought that was that was pretty cool. So 
that was uh, that was that was that point. Um, it it also led me to want to dive into different other elements connected to being an intentional father. Did you notice how I was at dinner tonight, bringing up different things? Did I did. I, was that interesting to you? I thought it was really um, the, the conversation had more purpose, and I think that's important. It's you know, there's only so much you want to hear about the kids' conversations regarding just what show they like or, you know, our kids talk a lot about memories, 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 memories. And at some point you you want to pour into them content or insight or what's going on in the world today, what's going on in the country, what's going on in the community, and like have them, you know, raise this awareness of there's more to life than just us making memories and hanging out as a family. There's important stuff happening, and I don't feel like we've prepared them very well in those areas. Well, and I'm like, <laughs> this is not a personal. This wasn't where I was going with it. Well, <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, because <laughs> well, I they- normally I, I do two things. Number one is I fall into the dynamic that I grew up with, which was my mom was the center of the home, personality-wise, and would basically lead the conversation while my dad sat back. And because you are so good at doing that with the kids, that I tend to sit back. Let's just be fair or honest. I think we both sit back and just let them blah, 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 blah. We do have a lot of kids. (laughs) We have a lot of personality in in, in the room. So it's... And, and, you know, it's, you know, you take a stronger role role at prayer time, family prayer time, is when you step in and... yeah. But I think at dinner time you're tired and you've come up from a long day and a lot of conversations and a lot of talking with people and so I think you're just enjoying you really just enjoy watching I do and seeing and being a part of I do. There's a lot of laughter, a lot of joking, a lot of fun, a lot of loud boisterous stuff. So I do enjoy that. But I saw that tonight you were wanting to take it a little deeper and you weren't getting a lot of traction. The kids were not um stepping in. So I decided to say, well, let me tell you about my day. Let me walk you through some of the interesting happenings of my day and did more than just a factual recounting, but I brought them a little bit on the inside of, hey, here I am in a process of helping to choose a new C-level executive at this company I'm serving. And let me talk to you a bit about how do you interview? And I did an interview question. So one of the interview questions is, Describe yourself in one word. And why did you choose that word? So I had the kids come up with the answers for that. And there was a lot of joking and goofy answers. But then Ariana stepped in and said, well, let me answer that. And she was thoughtful and, and gave a good answer. And so it it got kids thinking a bit. And I liked it because it gave them a little bit more inside insider knowledge about, well, what is dad doing when he is serving that group and he's on Zoom and and they walk in and here I am on these Zoom meetings all the time or I'm taking off for Yakima and serving these folks. What are you actually doing? Yes. And then talking a bit about this new business and talking about real estate and, and some of the negotiation points there and how do I approach buying a home and pricing strategy and some of those sorts of things. And the kids you know, found it really interesting. And one of the interesting things was afterwards, Annalisa said something to me. She asked me a question. She never asked me before. She said, Dad, when are you going to retire? <laughs> Enough of this talking about business at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> one I, night I and I'm I ready. didn't take it like that. I was just like, wow, <laughs> interesting. I, it evoked an interesting thing. All right. God bless you guys. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.